Trick or treat, trick or treat, trick or treat for Halloween. Better give a treat that's good to eat if you want to keep life serene. Trick or treat, trick or treat, trick or treat, trick or treat, trick or treat the whole night through. Little scalawags with fiendish gags can make it tough on you. So when ghosts and goblins by the score, ring the bell on your front door. Better not be stingy or your nightmares will So there I lay, face to face with the monster, his razor-sharp teeth glistening in the full moonlight, the stench of dead earth on his breath, his eyes as black as the L.A. River behind him, his hind claws digging into the dirt for footing as he readied his attack. He stared emotionless right through me, as if I was just another body to devour on his devilish conquest. A stream of blood trickled from my temple and into my eyes as I struggled for breath. Jackie Daniels lay unconscious about six feet away, next to a couple of empty rum bottles. But the blow to my head left me dazed and confused, and I didn't know if Jackie had actually been attacked by the beast or simply passed out from the dozen or so mojitos he poured down his throat earlier. But no, that couldn't be it. He threw up half of them in the Bed Bath & Beyond parking lot. This Halloween certainly did not turn out the way I had planned. A seemingly innocent costume party had somehow run the gamut of vandalism to destruction of property to assault with a deadly weapon and now possibly murder. But is there really ever an innocent costume party? Everyone I had dragged into this mess was now gone, crushed, buried, or eaten alive by this bloodthirsty, fur-covered creature from the corner of Washington and La Brea. Was it all my fault? Was I somehow responsible for the violence that befell Jackie, Big Hair, and Shocky? Not to mention Rick Moranis and God knows how many other Indiana Joneses. But there was no time for self-pity as I was most likely next on this monster's hit list. Of course, I had fought my way out of many a seemingly impossible situation before. I vanquished Rick Springfield and his evil horde of vampire women at Downtown Disney. I secured my seat's cup holder despite the flailing elbows of Leonard Malton at the Punisher premiere. I enticed Johnny Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls to drop all assault charges at the Beverly Center. I removed shards of glass and stitched up my own arm after that epic battle at the Troubadour where we ousted the All-American Rejects as NASA-designed space robots. I even foiled Captain Stooping in his Croatian's plot to commandeer a cruise liner and replace our Olympic athletes with their own in the Winter 2006 Games. But I don't know if I'd ever come across an evil quite like what now stood over me, the dust rising into the night with each tremendous thump of its tail. Perhaps the blood loss was causing my mind to drift in and out of consciousness. Perhaps the speedball combination of NyQuil, Vicodin, Diet Coke, and wheatgrass was the culprit. But I was beginning to hallucinate as visions of my tombstone epitaph raced across my mind. Here lies Neil Daly, defender of the weak, soldier of truth, forward-thinking fashion maverick, warrior of all that is good and just, loyal follower of Burt Reynolds, killed on Halloween 2006, victim of the were-beaver. Ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard is the opening excerpt from my short story, Dark Knight of the Werebeaver, from my horror anthology book, Omnibus Prime, The Incredibly Strange and Somewhat True Adventures of Neil Daly. And that intro seems a perfect fitting way to start things off tonight. (laughs) Hello and welcome to a spooky new episode of Fire and Water Records, as the Daly Brothers return for a second installment of our annual series that can only be described as a master class in professional nepotism, the Applebee's of the Fire and Water Network. The Bacon Brothers of the podcasting industry. A very daily Halloween. 
I'm Neil Daly, and I'll be your Crypt Keeper for the next couple hours as we take you on a terrifying trip down memory lane to visit some of our old favorite Halloween memories, music, and with a new spice added to our witch's brew, a dash of some classic holiday specials from Halloween's past. Joining me tonight on my ghoulish journey is the bride to my Frankenstein, Ryan Daly. What's up, brother? (laughs) How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. So, we're coming back for part two now of this annual series, and I couldn't be more excited. I I dare say we've been planning this one for over a year, even before we were finished uh, with the last one. I think I I was planning this one in the middle of our (laughs) last year's one, I think. (laughs) Well, in as much as, you know, some of the songs that we're going to talk about were very close to being on the last one list. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, these are some of the, the leftovers, yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. So, last year, we focused specifically on the music of Halloween, which ranged from post-World War II big band era songs to modern mixes to party playlists. And I explained the rules for the list. It just has to have some connection to Halloween, be it evil, horror, scary, creepy, dark, gothic, whatever, or it referenced blood, vampires, murder, ghosts, etc. Not all songs are our personal favorites, but all songs perfectly encompass the Halloween season. Last year, we brought the unlucky 13 tracks to discuss. So this year, we still have 13 ghosts, I mean, uh, talking points, but we're going to branch out a little bit and split our time between music and television. We'll start off with a random candy sack full of songs, and then we'll do some caramel apple bobbin into a few television specials that hold a special, if not nightmarishly profound place in our collective hearts. I'll get the ball rolling tonight, Ryan. I'm going to do the first song. I'm going to talk about The Devil Inside by NXS. Look at them go, look at them kick Makes you wonder how the other half live Dev inside, dev inside Every single one of us Dev inside, dev inside This song, this song was from NXS's huge 1987 Kick album. The song was released as a single in February 88, and it certainly wasn't intended as a Halloween song. But, dude, it so captures the Halloween season. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually surprised that the song never made it to like a soundtrack to a horror movie or something. My connection to the song is is kind of simple. I'd seen NXS on MTV a lot, but I never really got into them all that much because, Ryan, as you and I have discussed before, they're Australian. <laughs> But in the summer of 87, Joel Schumacher directed The Lost Boys, and that came out. In excess, nailed a duet with a fellow Australian, Jimmy Barnes, called Good Times. And that was the song that actually kind of got me into In Excess. I loved it so much that I then went out and bought the album Kick. Good Times was also on my Halloween playlist, by the way, but because it's from a vampire movie. But Devil Inside is just a straight-up rock song. It's, it's like pure thematically perfect I, you know, like, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about it other than this is a great way to launch our podcast tonight. I have always loved this song. I, I think this is a great way to start us off. I, I'm, I'm big, big on this song. Cool. Um, and yet, there's some, <laughs> when I hear this, I, I'm of two minds. I, I, I feel very divided and conflicted about this one because part of me thinks it feels a little bit dated, you know, yeah. like, in the beats and the, and the percussion elements of it. And I kind of think, you know what? 
uh, a rock band, uh, like a really hard driving rock band, could really do a great cover of this one. But I like this song so much that I wouldn't really want them to do anything all that different with the song. And as we've kind of discussed, what's the point of covering a song if you're not really going to make right. it your own? If you're just yeah. doing a slightly edgier version, is that how much does that work? So, and then I also kind of think when I listened to it, I was like, this song doesn't need to be covered. There's nothing wrong with the song. The guitar still works. So I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I feel like part of me wants just like a little bit harder edged, a little bit more percussive, that kind of, um, you know, that mid 2000s era, like rock, like, um, like the used or, or Buck Cherry or something like that to do a version of this song, I think would kick ass. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what's funny. I'm, 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 I think it's great that you mentioned that because I, I kind of had the same thought, and I didn't know exactly how to put it, but it was like the, I think the guitar part is the, the part that I'm, I thought maybe that it would be better served by updating it with like a grungier, dirty 1990s guitar. And then, as you mentioned, like I remember, do you remember? Uh, God, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> they 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 played a seven string guitar and the only difference was the seven string was a whole octave lower e and so it made really really dark dirgy kind of sounding uh guitar parts okay it was it was just it was just a whole octave lower than the regular e string yeah. um that kind of guitar would work really well on a song like this if it was oh, ever to be covered yeah, yeah. almost everything else about the song is perfect <laughs> <you know? laughs> so yeah that's where i'm at and no you're right like i mean this i can hear this song as a soundtrack staple for a movie that yeah, totally. unfortunately never got made but yeah absolutely yeah totally like it, it only you know i mentioned joel schumacher's movie lost boys i'm surprised this movie didn't this song didn't make the movie like this <laughs> right, would this right. would have this would have been great in a late 80s horror movie mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. all right what do you got what do you bring give me something all right, well, uh, sticking with a, a soundtrack song, sort of, um, and this one was on my list for last year up until the very last <laughs> minute when I booted it off and, and put something else on the list, um, but we are going with the theme, from the, the main title theme from the HBO series True Blood. The song is Bad Things by Jace Everett. When you came in, the air went out. And every shadow filled up with doubt I don't know who you think you are But before the night is through I want to do bad things with you I'm the kind to sit up in his room Sick and eyes filled up with blue I don't know what you've done to me But I know this much is true I want to do bad things with you I mean, it's got the obvious connection. True Blood is a series about vampires. And then as the series went on, it was also about <laughs> witches and werewolves and I think fairies and other kind of mythological... Leprechauns. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed the first season. And then the next two or three seasons after that got 
worse and worse and worse. And by the, I think I watched the first episode of the fourth season. I was like, you know what? The titillation I'm getting from the sex scenes in this is not worth how much I don't care about these characters anymore. So I just, <laughs> I, I, I lost interest with the show, but I, I mean, the, the vampire elements of it were really sexy. It was cool. I loved the setting. It had that kind of, um, American sort of neo-gothic feel of, of you know, the deep South, um, and a southern rock song like this one is just perfect for that. It brings yeah, because it takes place in what Louisiana, right? Yeah, 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 deep, deep Louisiana. Yeah, um, and that whole area, that geographical location um, within American culture and mythology, just has this very kind of haunted feel. This sort of mm-hmm. southern Gothic element. Um, it's a place that feels mystical and ripe for horror and dark fantasy stories. I mean, what's this thing? Anne Rice. Anne Rice. All of her vampire chronicles were down there too. Because, and I think it, it's part of because you have this fusion of cultures with the this white you know, heavy fundamentalist Christian beliefs meeting mm-hmm. this French Creole and Caribbean Island descents and the legacy of slavery. And, and they, they just, yeah. there's a lot of blood that has been spilled down there and, and it, <laughs> it, it, it comes back. And this song just feels like it captures all of that. It, it captures the vampirism, the werewolfism, the, the sins, the bloodletting, just the, this dark rituals. And it just, because it has this, twangy southern guitar it's just like it's a rocker that kind of wears all of that on its sleeve in this kind of like joe dirt badass type of attitude it's just it's a fun rock song i love it yeah i i almost have nothing else to add to it i mean this i go first of all i can't separate the song from the show now it's, it's right, so yeah. like ingrained in my head i see the opening credits in it it's a it's a damn good powerful opening for it and it's funny how the attachment to a show like that makes it, you know, this song may have had nothing whatsoever to do with like the supernatural or vampirism or werewolves or whatever. It may not have had, when Jace ever wrote it, it might not have had anything to do with that. But now I, they're, they're simpatico, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so they're perfectly aligned in that. It's, it's not just Southern. I mean, the guy the Jace Everett is like a country singer, mm-hmm. but this is like dark Southern rock. This is like dark Americana. You know, it's it's got kind of, yeah, it's eerie and it's haunting. And this is absolutely on my Halloween playlist. And in parties past, you know, you and I have discussed my Halloween playlist ad nauseum in, in years past. When, when this song comes on in the mix throughout the party, it's kind of like everybody's kind of like, yeah, like that. And then they go back to what they were doing. But you know, but but that initial moment, like that, that, that. That, yeah, perfect song choice. And I got to tell you, too, this almost made my last last year, too. So that's pretty good. Okay, so next, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig deep into the nostalgia with this one. And I, I'm going to chat. I assume most of our listeners are familiar with this song. I'm going to go with Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. I'm gonna open my eyes and find someone standing there. People say I'm crazy, just a little touch, but maybe showers remind me of 
So let's get something straight. I'm not really a big fan of the song. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out there first. This was a this was a major hit in 1984 by Rockwell, who was for those of you that aren't familiar, Rockwell was the son of Barry Gordy, the, mm-hmm. the founder of Motown, and <laughs> and they, hence the reason they got Michael Jackson to do. I know I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking about <laughs> Barry Gordy's cat. I'm thinking about Barry Gordy's cat. I know I'm you're laughing. La- <laughs> I'm gonna mute because I'm laughing about it. <laughs> Okay, but hence the reason Michael Jackson did the chorus vocals. The song reached number two on the on the charts uh, in 1984, and I'm pointing that out for one specific reason. The song that was number one on the charts at the same time Rockwell was number two was "Jump" by Van Halen, and <laughs> we lost Eddie Van Halen this week. Prior, you know, the week that we're recording this, Eddie Van Halen had just passed away from his battle with throat cancer. And so I bring that up because I want to give a nod to Eddie Van Halen. He's one of my most influential musicians in my life. And we'll certainly circle back to this conversation and do a podcast about him shortly. But anyway, back to the song. I, I honestly... I always hated the song. I hated it when it came out. I still hate it now. But the funny thing about this song is it had to make my list because of its campiness. Mm -hmm. It's like seemingly mythical status in the particular genre of like kind of like dark horror music kind of thing. It's got like kind of like a Ghostbusters or like thriller, you know, more so like a thriller. This song, it's always going to be played at my Halloween playlist. And everyone else seems to love this song when it comes on. Everyone knows the words. They all sing it. So it's, you know, I, you know this. I used this for a sequence in, in my, my movie K911 with Diego, where mm-hmm. he actually thought that the, the, what was it, the Geico dollar bills were following him? <laughs> I think that's what. So I, this is one of those campy songs like I'm Too Sexy. That's mm-hmm. just like everybody knows it. And now that we're 20 years removed from it, it's, or God, no, 40 years removed from it. It's actually funny. So this song makes my list. I got to talk about it, whether I like it or not. It's a perfect song for my Halloween list. You're right in that. It's a dumb song. Um, and and let's let's be very clear about one thing. Without Michael Jackson, there's nothing to this song. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, nobody, God, yeah. Nobody, nobody would remember. I mean... What Michael Jackson did for this song, just with that one little chorus, I mean, elevating a throwaway, kind of nonsensical, silly, dumb song about paranoia and and stuff like to this, like, I'm not going to say anthemic, but something that we're still talking about, something that is still relevant, like you said, like 46 years later and everything like that, and has has secured this place in history. It's just because of one line that Michael Jackson (laughs) recorded. I know. And and they just used it to such effect. But it's like, yeah, this is like Michael Jackson's second best horror song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. It's it's so <laughs> funny. And and I've I've even heard stories over the years and, and stuff like that. Like Barry Gordy didn't even want to record like he didn't like the song. And it, this is imagine. his kid. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but this would have never, this would have never, ever gotten any recording if Michael Jackson didn't hear it and say, oh, I would love to do that because he was into the, the you know, thriller and mm-hmm. stuff like that at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I do, ha- I do have to ask, have you ever heard anything else by Rockwell? Uh, the short answer is no. Okay. The longer answer is, I don't know if he ever recorded anything else. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I don't know if there was an album with this. Okay, fair enough. Because I've always been curious about something, but not curious enough to the point that I would ever actually research it and look up. Like, yeah, you know, you and me both. I mean, I, trust me, because when I was doing this podcast, I knew that I was going to pick this song because it's, like I said, you know, this is a song everybody likes. Like, everybody, mm-hmm. you know, everybody goes to it. It's, it's a perfect, campy, fun song for this type of thing. But I didn't want to look it up. <laughs> I just yeah. didn't want to. Yeah. So my thing is, if you it, like taking the Michael Jackson part of this out of way and just listening to Rockwell's part of the song, he has a very interesting voice in this song. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's like an affect that he's putting on for the vocal track or if that's what he sounded like. But it's almost like this, like nasal kind of accent like he puts on like this like i'm I'm afraid to wash my hair like 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 what the heck like what like that can't be your natural conversational voice can it like that's barry gordon didn't sound like that no i know i know it's funny and he even like he, he like you know it's one thing for a singer to add vibrato for a long sustained note mm-hmm. but he'll do it in like short notes that don't need it like he'll be like hey you know i can't think of the line off the top of my head but something like you know, someone standing there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, why did you do that? Just, <laughs> just see, it just hit the note, man. <laughs> and, and maybe it's just like he wasn't a singer, <laughs> and that's just like something that he had to do in order to get through the song. Maybe for all I know, but yeah. I mean, well, you know, no, you're you're right. This is almost like this is kind of like like me as a third grader trying to write like a, a scary song. <laughs> you know that's that's kind of i mean this is not too far removed from jan terry's get down goblin so <laughs> thank you for mentioning that <laughs> yeah no we'll come back to that but yeah, yeah um, that's all i got for this one though i think all you need all that needs to be said about it is like the emotional somewhat narrative climax of the song like the last verse is a reference to the IRS. Right. And it's just like, <laughs> right. Okay, I think we've said all we need to say with this one. <laughs> yeah. Take it away, take it away, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, okay. So again, like I said, you know, I'm I'm too, you know, for listeners out there that are the same, then why the hell are you talking about it? It's because <laughs> it's because it's a perfect song for my Halloween playlist and it works really well in a party. And it is a good, yeah, it's a party jam for that. Yeah, it's a party jam. It's, you know, it's, it's like Crip Jam kind of thing. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny in that same aspect. But, you know, that's, that's it. So, all right, let's move on. <laughs> well, we're not moving that far away because, like, the next song is kind of a novelty party song, too. Um, <laughs> and and the, I am taking Nightmare on My Street by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Ew, I walked in the house, the big bad Fresh Prince. But Freddy killed all that noise real quick. He grabbed me by my neck and said, Here's my deal. We got a lot of work here. Me and you. The souls of your friends, you and I will play. You've got the body and I got the brain. I said, yo, Fred, I think you got me all wrong. I ain't partners with nobody with nails that long. Look, I'll be honest, man, this team won't work. The girls won't be on you, Fred, your face is all burned. Fred got mad and his head started steaming. But I thought, what? So I can get some sleep But give me a call And maybe we'll hang out next week I pat him on the shoulder Said thanks for stopping by Then I opened up the door And said take care guy He got mad Drew back his arm And slashed my shirt I laughed at first And thought hold up that hurt It wasn't a dream man This guy was for real I said Freddy uh How it's been an awful mistake here No further words And then I darted upstairs 
crashed through my door, then jumped on my bed. Pulled the covers up over my head, said, oh, please do something with Fred. He jumped on my bed, but through the covers with his claws, tried to get me. But my alarm went off, and then silence. It was a whole new day, I thought. I wasn't scared of him anyway Until I noticed those rips in my sheets And that was proof that there had been a nightmare on my street Alright, this, this is Fresh Prince Will Smith His hilarious send-up of the, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise Which, this song came out in 1988 I think there were three Nightmare movies by that point so Could be three or four, I don't know Yeah, I, I think Yeah, well, so the thing is Actually, can you name them? <laughs> uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 was, uh, was, was that it? the Dream Warriors? I don't, I don't know, know if that, that was three or four. I think that was four. I Honestly, I don't know. I think, I think, I think four was the Dream Master. Oh, God. I, I would have never then gotten that. And number five was the Final Frontier. And <laughs> Freddy's dead. I, know, I, feel, I feel like right now that scene in, in, in um, oh God, what's my movie? Kicking and Screaming, where they're at the bar and they're trying to, they're, they're like going ding, you got to ding in and you do the, all the Jason, Friday the 13th movies. And they're like, Jason kills. And they're like, that's not the name of a movie. Jason kills in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do think if memory serves, I think Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was subtitled Electric Boogaloo. Yes, yes, it very much was. (laughs) So I I wanted to pick this one for a couple of reasons. This one has had a weird place in my heart for a long time. And it's because of how I discovered this song. I have this distinct, like if, if it was the same time that the song came out, so maybe it was like the end of my first grade year or something it was the last day of school and for like the, the elementary school, we, we basically had like a class picnic day, you know, where we didn't have yeah. to do anything. We just had like an outdoor picnic thing and the class went to Lions Park. Do you remember Lions Park? Yeah. 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 Lions Park was my favorite park growing up as a kid. Was that by Tyler? That was the one by Tyler School. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing about this park, like listeners, if you kind of get a sense of like, you can imagine like a, a park near a school, like what that what, kind of like out in the open, everything like that. The thing about this park was it was kind of in the woods. Yeah. It wasn't a really heavy wooded area, but there were just giant like fir trees all around it. And you couldn't really see the playground from the street or from the school or anything. It was just like you walked across a bridge over a very small kind of creek. Well, it was a river, but it was pretty shallow at that point and you're in part of the woods and there's a park there there's a playground there and it's like it's, it's really weird and like this was like an old like you know built in the 70s or 80s so like the part like the the playground itself is like this thick heavy like dark oak wood and everything like that and it's all wood and metal it went three stories high at this one point and everything with a big <laughs> slide it was dangerous as hell which is why they tore the whole thing down <laughs> yes. it's no longer there anymore to, to my shame and everything but like we loved playing i had so many memories of us like like taking like toy guns and everything and playing gi joe on this park and everything and like you know Oh, oh, I love this park. Anyway, so we went there for the last day of school, and there was a kid in a different class. Like they, 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 it was kind of like a weird change. Like different classes mingled and everything. Like we held, and there was a kid who I to this day I do not know his name. He was never in my class, but he was standing by like the, the, some shed or something like that where they were like cooking out near the barbecue and everything and playing this song 
in like his own little like boombox or Walkman or something like that, and we could all hear it, and he was lip syncing to the song. <laughs> now the thing is, this kid was very white. <laughs> And pretty heavy for a first or second grader and everything like that. So you got to imagine almost like a Cartman, Eric Cartman-esque chubby white kid lip syncing to this, you know, late 80s hip hop Fresh Prince song doing all this. And we were just kind of like watching him kind of in awe. And then, of course, because we're all like seven or eight years old, when he lip synced the word hell, you know, <laughs> references, scared of hell, scared as hell. We're like, ooh, you know, should we tell the truth or something like that? We heard that. So that's so I, I, dangerous. Yeah, this is such a stupid kid's story, but this is how I first met, heard the song and is always kind of imprinted on that. So I wanted to talk about this because I've, I've always had this weird fondness for the song. It's a funny song, but it's also really well written because Will Smith is a talented writer. He's talking about seeing this movie. Um, he name drops Angie and Tina. So, Neil, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Those are, those are the girls that he and Jeff take to the movies. Oh, my um, God. It's like you and I double dating. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then he has this whole like, dialogue thing with Freddy Krueger and everything. And it's it's funny. It's cool. There's a great loop of the, the Nightmare on Elm Street theme by Charles Bernstein. Yes. Um, yeah. So it, it, it puts you in the mood. It's spooky. It's funny. It, it feels like the Crypt Jam type of thing. So it's kind of a yeah. little bit of a novelty song, but it's just fun. So, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, I'm going to go, I, you know, this, for me, this song kind of resonates the exact same way the previous one, Somebody's Watching Me does. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I would, especially at the, at the, when this, when this song came out for me, like Will Smith's style of rap wasn't my jam. I was, I was much more into like the NWA and like kind of going like the darker, harder streetwise yeah. yeah, yeah. kind of stuff. So Will Smith's jams, his rap was kind of comical, which is exactly what the song, the point of the song is. So, <laughs> right, right. I give him a lot of credit for like doing exactly what he did. This is hysterical in a funny way. But again, like the previous song, despite the fact that I wasn't a big fan of it, again, it has the same kind of visceral, visceral reaction when I put this on my playlist and it comes on at my house parties and stuff on Halloween. Everybody knows the words, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like one of those things. Everybody's like, Oh shit. You know, they, they, they just want to like, yeah. yeah. And so, you think, 10 years after this song, he did Men in Black, which is his biggest hit or something. Exactly. It's, another, exactly. it's another kind of jokey movie soundtrack song. Yeah. Or the Wild Wild West. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, which no, is but, also a song that he did. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. I know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a song he did. <laughs> no, but this is, this, this song, like, I'm glad you put this on the list because, again, like I said, regardless, you know, whether or not it, it carries a special place in my heart for the purpose of a halloween party playlist the song is the jam mm-hmm. it, it, it you know it, it, it like checks all boxes nope. so we'll leave it at that uh i'm gonna go next um now this one i'm gonna dig back into like my my since we're kind of going a little weird and quirky tonight i'm gonna go with uh something that is kind of like a little bit brings out the inner child in me around halloween and that means a lot. So I'm going to go with Danny Elfman's The Remains of the Day from the Corpse Bride soundtrack. Well, I was a beauty known for miles around When a mysterious stranger came into town He's plenty good looking, but down on his cash And our poor little baby, she fell hot and fast When her daddy said no, she just couldn't cope So our lovers came up with a plan to elope <laughs> Try and hide and you might try and play Rolling up the green of that little town 
this is hands down my favorite track from the soundtrack. And first of all, like for, for a little quick backstory, I'm a huge fan of Tim Burton and by proxy, Danny Elfman. I love the, I loved his movies, nightmare before Christmas. I loved his corpse bride animated stuff. Um, I even, I, I, there's even songs from Danny Elfman's former group, Oingo Boingo that make my Halloween party playlist. So <laughs> it, like he's, he's sprinkled all over the place. I've seen Tim Burton's uh, museum exhibit in, in, in Los Angeles where they showed like all kinds of stuff, his drawings, from his early earlier from his childhood and before he got into film and stuff i've got his book the melancholy death of oyster boy and other stories so this guy resonates with me obviously our connection to batman and all that other stuff but this song you know i made i i I mentioned before with nightmare on on my street i think this song is much more like a crypt jam kind of thing this is this is just pure fun and it's pure fun for all ages like this is a like if you've seen corpse bride which i think is fantastic by the way but this is like the party jam in the middle of the movie where all the ghouls and all this all the dead come out to play and it's kind of like the this is halloween from nightmare before christmas this i i just think the song is fantastic and it's weird and it's jazzy and it's Danny Elfman and his element and I, I love it. So the previous two songs we talked about are on my Halloween playlist, but I'm not big fans of. This one's on my party playlist that nobody else knows, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I never would have thought of this one if you hadn't put it on your list. I haven't heard the song in forever, um, but I love the song. Yeah, it is a great track. I love the big band swing jazz mm-hmm. kind of sound for it. Like I, I would put this like right next to one of the songs that made our list last year was the the k-star version of uh the headless horseman yeah yeah right uh, even though that's a very kind of slowed down yeah uh, this one is like you know that, that much faster kind of like jazzier swingier um but i love this yeah just it, it's it, it tells the narrative of the story but it's kind of like it's broken up into the parts and it's yeah it's oh it's just a fun like i just want to i I'm, i groove to the song yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'm glad that you put it on the list because i would have i forgot about it a long time ago yeah i love this one love this one all right what you got next all right, for my last song for this episode, uh, I am going to a band that we just talked about in our previous episode, which was our first uh, Girl Power installment. I am going back to the band Hailstorm with the song Ms. Hyde. In the daylight, I'm your sweetheart. You're good at two shoes, crude is a work of art. But you don't know me, and soon you won't forget. Bad as can be, yeah, you know I'm not so innocent. This song originally debuted in the 2012 album The Strange Case of Hailstorm, uh, which also featured the two <laughs> songs that we talked about on the other one. Um, but I'm actually the the sound, the version that I just played that you just heard is actually from the 2020 Reimagined EP. Um, and I only heard this version because on that last episode you gave a shout out and told me to listen to their cover of yeah. I Will Always Love You. Uh, so I played that song, and this one followed right after it. I just like the song. The the, tra- the album kept playing. 
Um, so I heard this one and I really, really like this one. I mean, the, the original version is a harder rock song. It's got like a, the, the electric guitar. This version swaps that out for an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. And there's another element in the percussion. I don't know what it is, but it almost feels like a kind of clap or snap type of song sound. And those, those elements in it, like I just, I hear the song and I get in a Halloween vibe. It yeah. feels a little bit more organic, a little bit autumnal, even with the, I mean, the, the song Ms. Hyde, it's a reference to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, obviously the duality. Lizzie yeah. Hale has said that she wrote the song to try and express how she feels on stage and off as two different people. And there's only, I mean, the, the lyrics, I mean, it, she, when you get into it, it it's kind of funny like how she's presenting herself as she can be the nice girl, the girl of your dreams that you mm-hmm. want and then she can turn on you and she can become this demon. What, what our family lovingly refers to as a hell bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and, props and, to your and, wife. <laughs> and I just, I, I props to my wife coined by my mother. If you can believe that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just, I, I really like, I mean, the, the, the whole, I mean, obviously with that, that would be enough to give it the, the reference for the Halloween thing because of the Jekyll and Hyde connection. But just this kind of stripped down a slightly more bare bones approach feels like a Halloween track to me. And I really, really dig it. It's like really cool song. All right. Now we're talking, bro. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, first of all, we, yeah, like you said, we've already talked about Hailstorm. We've already gone over the Women in Rock podcast. I'm a huge fan of the original version of the song. Um, it's loud and raucous and dirty and raunchy and kind of sounds like Guns N' Roses or, you know, whatever. But that being said, I'm actually happy you chose this version of the song because the acoustic stripped down version is a little bit more haunting and eerie. It, mm-hmm. it, it kind of feels a little like, well, you said it, it feels a little more Halloween-ish. Um, it's a little more dirge uh, where the other one is a little more hardcore rocking and stuff like that. I love it for so many reasons. I, I, I mean, and this is stuff we can get into at, an, at another time and place. Some, but Robert Louis Stevenson's Jekyll and Hyde story, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I'm a huge fan of. Huge fan of. I've seen the Broadway version of the show multiple times with Sebastian Bach and David Hasselhoff. So, you know, those are, those are the two guys I saw play the lead. So, you know, I didn't exactly see it in its best element. But the whole concept of that song, the battle for duality, the battle for, you know, to try to struggle with madness and try to overcome, you know, the things that make us mad and try to, you know, there's, there's like elements of, you know, there's like a lot of the universal classic monsters dealt with. There were underlying themes of like man's struggle against religion, man's struggle against God, man's struggle Mm -hmm. against industry. There were a lot of those type of things that were taking place, but this always kind of resonated really well with me, this story, because it was, you know, this, he digs into the, the division of personalities, you know, man's primal self versus man's reserved conservative public appearance self kind of thing. And once he accidentally, accidentally splits them, the dark side of his personality takes over and mm-hmm. wants to overpower. And so that, that struggle with, and then, so I was, I was always fascinated by that, you know, by, you know, we were taught, we were raised in a society where it's like, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all, bite your mm-hmm. tongue, you know, all those things, those, those are what you do. Mr. Hyde doesn't do that. <laughs> you know, he's the opposite. He lives the way a lot of people fantasize about living um, and that type of stuff. And then even, you know, the band itself, Hailstorm, which I've, I've already raved about her, Lizzie Hale. So I'm not going to go into that, but she publicly addressed. She's a bisexual too. 
So like, she's got these alternate versions of herself, these different, you know, the type that she promotes to the world, especially in their early career, trying, trying to break into the, the industry and stuff. So she wanted to sell herself as a sex pot to boys mm-hmm. kind of thing. And she struggled with trying to keep her, you know, she's, she's, where she doesn't see a difference between male or woman. She's attracted to the person. She's attracted to the personality. She's attracted to the energy that that person portrays. So anyway, without getting, I don't want to make this like a philosophical discussion kind of thing, but that for all those reasons, I love the band. I love this song. I love their sounds. And I think you picked the perfect version of the song for this particular podcast because it's eerie. It's, it's, it's a haunting version of it. The stripped down acoustic nature of the song works really well on this list. All right. So bring it home with the last song for this episode. Okay. So to bring it home, we're to, to end the musical portion of this episode. I'm going with 30 seconds to Mars, the kill. What if I wanted to break Laugh it all off in your face What would you do? What if I fell to the floor Couldn't tell I've been I've been wanting to talk about this band for a long time. I just haven't found the right spot to do it. But this is it. This is the show to do it. Thirty Seconds to Mars is like the electronic alternative rock group fronted by Jared Leto and his brother Shannon on drums. I don't know how many people have heard of them. Everybody knows who Jared Leto is. I'm not sure that many people are familiar with the band. Now, Ryan, as you know, I've loved these guys for over a decade. I've I saw them first at the Palladium in Hollywood when it was just a club show. Um, in the God mid to late 2000s, I want to say like maybe 2006, 2007 ish. Um, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the band. That's not what we're here for. But I will say this, aside from the legion of goth kids that adore this group, I feel like they've honestly been unfairly critiqued for a couple of reasons. Number one, people in the music industry don't like it when actors join the fray. So they're always kind of like frowned upon. Everybody's like, Oh, that's a side project. So they don't take it as seriously. Mm-hmm. And number two, Jared Leto has a long history of being a difficult actor to work with, uh, you know, being kind of an asshole <laughs> to put it, you know, he's uh, like disturbingly pretentious at best and just a dick at worst. So regardless of which side of the fence you fall on, what, what you think of him as a person or an actor, you got to admit this guy can fucking sing. And he has got in a range, a vocal range that few like he re, like maybe Steve Perry from Journey might be the last guy that could kind of go that route. Mm. He's got pipes. Anyway, so even though I knew them long before the song, this is the song that kind of gave I think the world notice. Like this song launched them in maybe to the next level and made them popular. This got a lot of play on social media. It got play on MTV. Uh, the video was kind of a retelling of The Shining. Yeah, um yeah. yeah so it was almost well actually it was kind of like a shot for shot retelling the shining it's dark it's gothic i mean the band is kind of dark and gothic anyways but a little more electronic tinged but this is a straight up rock song out of like a goth emo modern something or other i don't quite know how to describe it but this is a killer halloween song and that's where i'm gonna leave it 
Yeah, I kind of I, I figured the video might have been front and center in your in your thinking with why you put it on the on the track and everything. Just because uh, I, I watched that and yeah, it's all about like the basically the the premise is the band is checking themselves into this old hotel and they've got the run of the place just to kind of come down from their tour and each one of them begins to be haunted by these things from The Shining. You know, one one goes to the forbidden room and sees the you know the woman in the shower. One goes to the bar and it, like it's they're supposed to be deserted, but he's being served. Um, Jared Leto is being kind of like, he sees somebody walking around, he starts following him, and it's like, it's a, a mirror version of himself, and it ends with yeah. they're all in kind of like the ballroom wearing the same sort of tuxedo that Jack Nicholson is wearing in the, the photograph mm-hmm. shot at the end of the movie. Um, really, really cool. Uh, the video was great, great, just a great. And yeah, I, I mean, dare I say I've been a fan of Jared Leto's music since my so-called life. <laughs> you know, oh, all right. Good um, for you. And I am not nearly as much a fan of the band as as you are, but I think they are phenomenal musicians, and I do think Jared Leto's voice is amazing. Yes. And curiously, because of his reputation and like especially the fallout with Suicide Squad and the, apparently the things that he did off screen to his <laughs> other cast members and everything, and the fact that... You know, he got to play the Joker. He also got an Oscar for the movie before that. I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe stop acting for a little while and just do the music thing. I, I think it would be okay if Jared Little just did the music for a little while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't have anything else to add to it other than I, I love the video. I think it's a killer song. And and yeah, people who may not appreciate the band because of him or, or just in general, whether you, you don't like him because of his antics or you, as you described, just kind of shortchange him because you think this is just like some little side vanity project. He's, he's much more talented than that. Yeah. And the last thing I'm going to add is like in his defense, um, he he apparently, you know, I've, I've heard his bio before and he moved out to L.A. actually to be a musician first mm-hmm. and foremost. So he was discovered to, you know, by somebody in a mall, a talent agent that said, hey, you want to be in this TV show and, and, and whatnot. So that's how he got into acting. But he was a musician first and foremost. And then secondly, to answer your initial question about did I pick the song for the list because of the video? The answer is actually no. And surprisingly, it's because him, he, maybe it's because of his acting background or maybe his gothic interests or whatever. He, uh, the first time I saw them play was the album of release party for this album, which was Beautiful Eye, I think mm-hmm. was the album that it was on. And I, I just remember the show. They took the stage. They're, they're a very theatrical band. And they took the stage at the Palladium. And there was probably, I don't know, maybe a thousand people in this club. I mean, it wasn't, it was, you know, everybody is just floor seats. That's all you got. And the bands took the stage in white tuxedos that were all blood splattered. <laughs> and and that was the show and so immediately i was hooked i was like well and then they go into this like kind of dark gothic electronica set and everything and it was just like dude and on top of that he could sing so and that was also the night that i got in a fight with paris hilton about our chihuahuas we i actually argued so but that's a story for another another podcast but so that there it is that uh that closes the first half of our podcast everybody so thank you so much for paying attention. So before we shift gears a little bit, um, speaking of Jared Leto, Ryan, mm-hmm. let's 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 talk about some costumes because I think you and I have a weird. You mentioned you mentioned that he played the Joker. 
And he he, has, he played the Joker in the Suicide Squad movie and a movie that would have come out had it not been for the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but what it, what is on the docket, his next up, uh, the Sony release, he's playing Morbius the Living Vampire uh, yes. based, on the, based on the comic book character who debuted in the Amazing Spider-Man comics. So he has played the Joker and he is now playing a vampire. And <laughs> I, I thought about that. I was like, you know... You and I have spent a lot of Halloween dressed <laughs> up as the Joker and vampires. We, we really have. <laughs> that, actually, that's, that's funny. I, I definitely want to like take a little. I want to take a little trip down memory lane now. Now, do you know off the top of your head how many vampires or Joker versions you've been? I have been the Joker twice, and I have been a vampire thrice, I believe. What vampires um, were you? I in. Uh, I want to say I want to say the first costume I remember and kind of like really went out trick or treat. I think it was kindergarten. I was sort of Dracula, but back then, like I mean, I wasn't wearing a tuxedo. I was wearing I wore like a, a black sweatshirt or something because I think it was even, like, <laughs> raining. I think it was raining that day, so I just had a black sweatshirt. But I had like one of those you know plastic vinyl uh, Dracula capes with like the the pop collar, and it was like red on the inside. And you and mom did my makeup and my hair. Uh, and, and like giving like blood capsules and everything. So I, I was that for, I think that was kindergarten, possibly first grade, but I think first grade, I think first grade I was a pirate because we had gone to Disney World the summer before that and I looted the Pirates of the Caribbean gift shop for all of like the pirates. Oh my God, I remember that. Like the, the hook hand, the sword, oh the hat, God. the eye patch and everything. And I turned that into a Halloween costume that year, I think. So I was Dracula kindergarten. <laughs> I was the Joker in second grade because that was 89. Mom made, she sewed a purple jacket that would fit me. Yeah, I remember. Purple flannel pants. <laughs> um, and then I wore my soccer jersey because it was bright green. It was, it was neon, like neon green. green. Then, <laughs> yeah, um, and a white turtleneck. Yeah, and a white turtleneck. And then I had like the makeup and the, the lips and the, the colored my hair green and everything. I also remember, I don't know if you remember, you get nauseous a lot. You've always gotten sick sure, pretty yeah. easily. But I remember the hairspray. The smell of the hairspray made you sick once we painted your hair green before you could even <laughs> trick or treat. I remember you throwing up in the bathroom. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. Of, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and then the next time I was the Joker, I copied your costume. So I'll I'll let you tell explain that one first before I do it because I was basically biting the same idea that you did. But I think, God, was it eighth grade or something like that? It, it would have been it would have been ninety four, I think, or ninety five. No, it was before Interview with the Vampire came out. Um, but I was Lestat. Um, because you and mom told me that Lestat was awesome because you knew the books or, or something like that. And I, I, I don't think I had seen the movie before. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I, I think, think, I think we I can enforce that like Tom one on Cruise. You. I didn't look no. anything like Tom Cruise. We just made yeah. him look a little bit more like a Victorian vampire. Yeah. Well now, wow. Now you got me thinking, I'm trying to figure this out because that had to be, if I was home for Thanksgiving, that had to be 94 because I would have been home recovering from a car accident yeah, um, with my jaw wired shut and whatnot, which ironically was a year I was the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I don't know exactly when interview with the vampire came out. I don't know if we saw, I want to say maybe that was like a Christmas release or something. So I think we were, I think when we designed your costume that year, we were going off of what we thought 
best guess, you know, kind of. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then my third final one, just a uh, um, couple of years. Uh, gosh, oh God, might have been 10 years ago now. Um, I just went as a sort of uh, trucker vampire type of thing. It was probably actually, it was probably inspired in part that. by True Blood. Um, I saw I just, that costume. Yeah, didn't, you just, use the, didn't you have the natural light trucker? I had, natty light hat, I had the natty light hat. I had a Carhartt jacket and just like a flannel or something. Oh and God. just did like the, the vampire makeup and, and false teeth and everything. And Angie was like a biker, <laughs> biker vampire too. And we went out together. So that was actually oh fun. That's good stuff. Yeah. You know, my, okay. So, Here's, here's where our, our stories, uh, like, converge. So I've probably, let's see, like, indirectly through Jared Leto. In 94, I was the Joker. Remember we got, like, pajama scrubs? Yeah, you, you like, were not. This was a deep-cut Joker because you yes, weren't in the purple suit or anything. It Absolutely. It was, like, teal turquoise pajamas. Yeah. And we found stencils, mm-hmm. like, like just fake stencils that you taped, it like like made this whole like production thing so that you could stencil <laughs> in like with like a permanent marker property of Arkham Asylum on the pajamas. Yeah, yeah. It, it basically looked like I, I tried to make them look like mental inmate, you know, Arkham Asylum pajamas, like like the inmates would wear. So I did that and I had white gloves, white turtleneck, and then just did my face and, and whatnot. But it was very, it was very, I remember the makeup job was kind of animated series like Batman the mm-hmm. animated series so that's kind of look that I was going for a couple years later I did another version of it and that year I that year in 94 I painted my hair a couple years later out here in Los Angeles I kind of recreated the same costume but I, I had a green wig and I went a little more cartoonish with it mm-hmm. then uh, just what two years ago I did Heath Ledger's Dark Knight Joker Mm-hmm. I did that, um, which was a lot of fun. I did the sc- I did I did latex scars on my cheeks, and then yep. did the makeup over it, so that kind of exaggerated that look. I have not done Jared Leto's specific Joker from Suicide Squad because I honestly don't like it, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't like that look at all. But. The idea has been floating around in the back of my mind. I don't think that I haven't gone and looked at and priced the items, like the purple alligator skin leather jacket kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've looked at it. I've looked at it. I've also done Nosferatu um, with the bald cap and the pointed ears. I've mm-hmm. done that with – and by the way, one of my favorite things about being vampires all the time is the contacts. I've always been really big into Halloween contact lenses. Uh, so the whiteout contact lenses for my vampires, I've done multiple times. I've probably done some variation of a vampire, maybe five times, six times, probably. And my piece de resistance, if you will. And this is this is funny because it's not a costume I really would have chosen on myself if it wasn't like a dare kind of thing. <laughs> but Edward Cullen from Twilight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 2011, 10 or 11, I don't know, 10 or 11, whatever year the vampire movies came out, uh, the Twilight movies came out, I did Edward Cullen. And it was kind of like the girl I was dating was young and into all those books and all the stuff. And it was it was pop culture phenomenon. They were like Twilight thing was everything. So I got the blue shirt, you know, the blue buttoned up, pastel blue buttoned down shirt, black jeans, gray tweed kind of jacket you know overcoat and my hair was the right length for the emo vampire kind of thing i did edward cullen i did the i had two pairs of contacts that night the yellowish ones for when he wasn't hungry or when he was satiated Mm -hmm. and then also i would switch throughout the party into red contacts which meant that he was starving and hungry and wanted to feed 
And then I did a really neat trick, which based on the movie alone, I, I had like almost invisible glitter painted on me. <laughs> so in certain lighting, now this never showed up in photos though. The problem was in photographs, it never really looked good. You couldn't really tell, but in person, it looked fucking badass. It was awesome. The length that I went to with this glitter kind of thing on my face that made me like shine and all this stuff. So yeah, that was probably one of my favorites. It's not something I chose. But whatever. Now, while we're talking about costumes, I got to be honest, though. I miss the days of Halloween being all about spooky costumes. I really do. Like zombies, vampires, ghosts, mm-hmm. werewolves, etc. Like, I, I don't know if they were as big when you were a kid. But when I was a kid, there were kind of like... It was like you could either be something scary, like from a universal classic monster or like a superhero. And that was kind of, that was kind of it. Over the past 20 to 30 years, Halloween costumes have shifted so far away from the classic monsters. Now it's all like pop culture influences. You know, there's movie characters, the rock stars, there's superheroes, etc. And and let's talk about the girl choices. You know, I mean <laughs> I mean honestly, Girl choices have gone so far overboard, turning absolutely anything you can possibly think of into a slutty or sexy something. It's you know a cottage what I mean? industry. Is, is yeah, <laughs> girl yeah it really is. It's, it's like you could be like, you could be like, you know, you could go to a store now and find like slutty landscaper. You know, I mean, it's like, and, and, and also I, the, the not that, but also the the sort of burgeoning mainstream popularity of cosplay as a thing for yes, like, yes, everything like that. It's kind of like it's taken how like the Halloween out of it, and it's just like, well, now you just do costumes because you want to be photographed somewhere. Yes, oh, okay, true. Yeah, yeah. Like in the last couple of years, you know, I, you know, I've seen like sexy Colin Kaepernick. You know, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I'm no, seriously, I'm not joking. I'm like, I'm like, what the, like, seriously, what, how is that a thing? Um, so, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I've certainly fed into that trend over the last decade or so because almost every girl I've dated has chosen some costume to flaunt her assets, shall we say? Sure. And I've never stopped them because, damn, there's, <laughs> there's, been some good, there's been some good ones. You know, you've been to my Halloween parties. You've seen some good ones. You know, mm-hmm. but but you know, even my own costume choices have veered away from my my true instincts. You know, mostly because they've been ironic or funny or whatnot. But like like I said before, being Edward from Twilight or being Tyler Durden from Fight Club or being the guys from Spinal Tap or there was a year I was I was DJ Pauly D from Jersey Shore. Um, you know, all of those are funny to some degree. And I do that because as an entertainer, I cater to the crowd kind of thing. You know, it's like I, I know what's going to sell and that type of thing. That's why I do it. But you know, it's not necessarily fun for me. Like my my instinct, I I miss the. I long story short, I miss the years of like Halloween being scary and haunting yeah. and eerie and stuff. I I'm I'm there with you, and I mean, you know, going back to my costumes, I mean, it was a fairly regular. I think if I can go back through the chronology, if I, as I remember it, after the Joker, I think I was a mummy the next year, the year after that, um, or maybe that was also. F- first grade i was a mummy one year um maybe i was only the pirate like when i went to school and then i was a mummy when i went trick-or-treating maybe i had two costumes that year uh and then i was dick tracy one time because of the movie dick oh tracy. that was a good costume um, dude. and then i was the phantom of the opera once and that was a good one too so yeah I, yeah i i i'm i'm there too i've always 
I've always loved like the kind of like scarier, spookier costumes and everything. But I also, at, at one point, I I reached the point where just I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to like streamline, simplify the process of my costumes and everything. I don't want to wear any kind of heavy mask or anything that's going to be too hot or oh or sure, be, that's like, fair. A pain in the ass. Especially fair. if I'm going to go to a party and either socialize with people or drink, I don't want to wear anything that's going to obstruct that process. Oh no, 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 no! I totally get you. I totally get you. But I think you know, I think I, I think I kind of maxed out, so to speak, yeah. at like the year that i did the like i did a 90s themed mm-hmm. halloween party and i did by the way for the record i did like three different versions of the evolution of marilyn manson and i changed my <laughs> makeup and changed my costume throughout the course of the night and that was a lot of fun and it was awesome my costumes were kick-ass but i remember being a spectator at my own party that night and like looking around and being like, there's nothing here that seems like Halloween. It's like everybody else is just dressed like somebody else. And that was all it kind of was. I mean, even the year that I was Tyler Curtin, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I remember like that was all that I thought that was going to be a badass costume. But then I made the mistake of allowing everyone at the party to punch me in the face. Like, you know, you know, I thought that was going to be like a method actor. So yeah, going forward, I think I think I've kind of like maxed out with the pop culture things and the rock star things because I've done Kid Rock, I've done you know all kinds. Of, I've done Tupac, believe it mm-hmm. or not. So I think you know as we do these podcasts, and I'm reminded of how much I love horror and gothic horror and gore and like classics. I, you know, seeing mm-hmm. you know vampires, werewolves, Frankenstein's monster. You know, the creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, you know, all the like that's, you know, that's Jekyll and Hyde we talked about. You know, that's I think I think I want to I'm going to make a concerted effort to steer more towards those going forward. Yeah, I also I do believe that culturally we have reached a point of diminishing returns with the slutty version of whatever. Yeah. Oh, God. I know. And, And I say that saying that I never really found Alec Guinness's version of Obi-Wan Kenobi all that attractive until one of your Halloween parties. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I know. I know. It's so funny. Like there, there are, there are staples of popular culture, male actors, male characters and stuff. And when a girl shows up at your party dressed as a female slutty version of that, you really think your own sexuality. (laughs) The worlds are colliding. (laughs) Worlds are colliding. George is getting upset. It's better not awaken something in me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that was a fun segue. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit. I want to, you know, we're getting away from the music and stuff. I want to talk more since we're being nostalgic, we're talking about history and stuff. What were some of the, the classic Halloween specials and TV shows and things that, you know, we'll do, we'll save movies for another episode, (laughs) but I I remember watching television shows and watching like there were Halloween specials that were like must see TV, kind of like the Rankin and Bass Christmas specials. Halloween used to have a series of stuff that they would put out there that were bit musty TV for kids or mm-hmm. to watch around Halloween. And I feel like we've gotten away from it lately. Nowadays, it's just whatever television series is already on, they'll do a Halloween episode, but there's no really standalone Halloween stuff for kids now. But there was when I was a kid. Do you remember that time? Absolutely. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things. I mean, we, like, it was, it was kind of it was one of the organizing principles around our life. It was like, so we kind yeah. of had these we had these two seasons. There was Halloween and there was Christmas. And the thing is, yeah. 
we had those like VHS mixed tapes of these of these specials. We had our Christmas specials tape, um, and, and then we had like the Halloween one. And I think, I mean, it had some of the the ones that I'm going to discuss on this part. Um, and also had I think we probably had that tape until we had the first two Simpsons Halloween specials, the Treehouse of Terror. I think the first two years of those were on that tape. Oh God, those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I love those, and I'll I'll start us off the first one that I, I can I keep going back to and and I was watching it earlier today um that I always loved was Garfield's Halloween. Hello Halloween. What a glorious day and a glorious night to go trick or treating or candy 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 steady yourself Garfield. First you got to get a costume, then you got to get a sack. A sack to hold all that candy 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 easy boy. First First, you got to get up. And this might this debuted actually in 1985, so right in the sweet spot when I was a kid. And the whole thing is very briefly: uh, Garfield and Odie go out trick or treating, uh, and they're they're doing their whole thing. And somehow they get on a boat and they cross a river. They end up going to this man, this dark mansion where this old man tells them a story about a lost pirate treasure and these pirate ghosts come to get them and they have to escape and everything. The funny thing is it's, it's a weird special because they, it's, it starts off as a musical, you know, there's like, oh, there's these <laughs> songs and everything. There's a song about Garfield singing, what should I be? And I have always remember, like I, I knew I memorized that song. I like that song so much that I could quote that thing. Like to this day, you know, 35 years later or something, I would say I could be a scary vampire. <laughs> turn myself into a bat flat flat, or I could put on some black pajamas and go as a big fat Halloween cat. What should I be? Do, 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 do. And like, I just, I knew that stuff and it was so fun. And I watched it again, halfway through the special, it takes a weird ass turn. It's like, yes, it does. It, it's like from dusk till dawn. It's like, wait, what is this <laughs> oh cartoon God. about? What a great comparison. <laughs> because it, it, it's, it's Garfield and Odie putting on funny costumes and going trick or treating. And then they go to this creepy ass mansion with a scary dude in it. It's terrifying for little kids. And I remember as a kid being scared, but still being like, I have to watch this. These pirate ghosts are freaking terrifying and they're going to come through the wall and they have to like swim. And they, and this old man steals their boat. So they have to swim across the <laughs> river and Odie saves his life. It's like, what the heck was this adventure? This is, Equal parts thrilling and silly and scary. Ah, it's like everything that I love about Halloween in this tiny little Garfield adventure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my god, this is so fun. Um, all right, so I've never seen that show until you told me you were going to talk about it on this podcast, and so I decided I better do some homework and I better watch it. And the funny thing, I, I was around in 85 when you were a kid. I remember you watching stuff like this. I just never paid attention to it. So I never, I never watched. So I watched it recently for the first time. And a couple of things jumped out at me. Number one, Garfield doesn't move his mouth when he talks. It's all internal monologue until he sings. And then he sings, like in the opening credits, he actually sings the song. <laughs> so, so if you're John, the owner of the cat, and this guy just always looks at you. You wonder what's going on in his head, but then he busts out in song. I think that's, I think that's really cool. <laughs> okay. but, 
but John has a pumpkin over his head for a good part of this part. Of yeah, yeah. Let's talk about John. What's what's <laughs> the deal with John, by the way? Because he has a dog and a cat, and is he married? Is he divorced? Is he like gay? Like what? What's the what's the story with John? That is a good question. I have I have always interpreted him as just a bachelor quote unquote um i know there's like a more recent cartoon that he has like a girlfriend or something like that um yeah he doesn't strike me as the type of guy to have a girlfriend though i don't think so either i don't know he's either a a, a widower who's gone insane or yeah he might actually he might be gay i i that that wouldn't have broken away from any theories that i had as a kid (laughs) okay okay cool um so the other thing though was i first of all i loved the fact that this, like, I feel like this cartoon couldn't have come out more recently, and I think it's because it actually takes a dark turn towards the scary. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like you mentioned, it gets really creepy. And in the second half of the last act of this cartoon is, is like, haunting in a, in a sense that, like, I feel like modern-day kids wouldn't be prepared for that type of stuff. This is what you could do in the 80s, you know? You could, you could get away with this. But this whole thing got really, really dark and creepy, and ghosts were haunting and chasing him and all this stuff. Now, as I watched it, the adult rational part of me is watching this. I'm trying so hard to escape into my childhood and watch it from, like, a child's eyes. But the one thing that I had trouble doing was because of the in the last sequence, actually the very last scene, Garfield sees the guy that was in the house on TV talking about doing pirate shows. Like he's like the narrator of a television show. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I thought of is Garfield must have gone trick-or-treating had a candy hangover kind of thing, like got got like high off candy, passed out, and I feel like he dreamt the whole thing because this <laughs> this guy this guy on TV, this creepy old man, was doing a pirate thing on TV, and Garfield dreamt that he went and found him. That's my philosophy. I think it, maybe that's a little too meta, but <laughs> that's yeah, that's I where mean, I'm going with this. I mean, the episode opens up with Garfield asleep and Binky the Clown wakes him up in like this. Right. Junk- oh, let's talk about Binky the Clown. By the way, dude, I haven't been that scared since like Roxo or whatever the guy from. <laughs> Dr. Roxo. From, yeah, Dr. Roxo Rock from Metalocalypse. Oh, my God. Binky was like, he was like coming at you in your face. <laughs> My God! If you don't get candy, if you like, what does he say? It's like you don't want to be like grow up homeless. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I kept waiting for him to say something like, "I'm gonna get some cocaine." <laughs> <laughs> to, to your earlier point, though, I, I I have tried to watch this show. I've tried to introduce this show to Reese. Reese loves the Garfield Christmas one, which we can talk about on a Christmas special. Reese loves yeah. Christmas. I've tried to watch this one with him. He likes the beginning where they're singing the songs. Once Garfield and Odie start trick-or-treating and that ghost is kind of around, Reese waves his hand. He's like, no, uh, no, I don't want this anymore. And he's like, he, like he, I don't even think we've gotten to the pirates part of it, but he's like, <laughs> he, he just knows. He's like, this is getting weird. I don't want to watch this anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. No, he's right. This is getting weird. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I just love this one. So, yeah, I, I recommend listeners check out. You can find the whole thing on YouTube, Garfield's Halloween Adventure. Yeah. Uh, what do you have? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little more mainstream, a little more classic. I'm going to talk about It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Dear Great Pumpkin, I'm looking forward to your arrival on Halloween night. 
I hope you will bring me lots of presents. They're back. All the Little Peanuts characters in a happy Halloween special that's filled with delightful, heartwarming adventures from their wonderful cartoon world. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Linus to tell you more about it. On Halloween night, the great pumpkin rises out of his pumpkin patch and flies through the air with his bag of toys for all the children. While Linus waits for the great pumpkin, ghosts and goblins, witches and owls make the scene with Charlie Brown and his Peanuts playmates off on a haunting spree that's filled with surprises. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, in color. Now, this particular thing, I uh, this is such a staple of like our nostalgic history like of of halloween it's such a it's like it plays on multiple it airs on abc uh it airs on freeform it airs a couple of times leading up to halloween i don't think there's a whole lot i need to add to it because it plays year-round it's it's an annual thing on primetime tv the only you know i put this on my list because quite simply this was something i i remember getting excited to watch this was kind of like Way back in the day, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go way back to like when we were God when we were kids. You know, I remember the commercials on CBS for when Rudolph was gonna air in December, and you know it was like this. You know, we didn't have DVRs then, so you had to watch something live. You know, I that was that was a really really big deal. This one, the it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown was that type of show that you yeah. had to like. I needed to. I needed the TV guide. I needed to know when it was going to be on. I needed to know what night. I needed to see the commercials that showed when it was going to air. And I needed to, you know, we needed to stop everything we were doing, make sure dinner was done. We had our snacks. We had our drinks. Whatever. We sit down in front of the TV, and it was that was must see TV. And it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Still, it's still every year I watch it annually. It's part of my Halloween tradition and I love it. I love it so much because it's got all the classic peanut elements. It's got Charlie Brown missing the football. It's got him feeling like a loser. It's got Sally and being in love with Linus, like all these storylines that kids that are fans of the peanuts remember. And just this great comparison to uh, the, from the great pumpkin to Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's this weird metaphor that like his son, Linus brings it up a couple times. He's like, Oh, but you believe in this big fat red guy with a beard, blah, blah, blah. And he like goes off. I don't know. There's just something about it's the great pumpkin. The music was awesome. Vincent Giraldi's soundtrack was awesome. I, that's like this. I have to watch this every year it comes on. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. I remember watching this one. Um, watching it again today for the first time in a long time, um, it occurred to me Lucy is mean. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's not just the football. I mean, we all we all like that's a, a staple of popular culture is her pulling the football away and, and <laughs> tricking Charlie Brown into kicking at it every time. But like she's just she's really bossy. She's really kind of just like harsh and everything. I was like she grew up to be a mean girl, like a Rachel McAdams mean girl. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is, uh, and this will be a weird callback to something else that we we talked about twenty minutes ago. Um. The the line that I completely forgot about when Sally stays back with Linus when they're in the pumpkin patch waiting, and she goes, "You hold my hand and I'll slug you." I love that line, and I just it occurred to me it occurred to me for the first time 
I have heard that song quoted in another TV show. And bringing it to what we were talking about, it was quoted by, of all people, the Joker in an episode of Batman the Animated Series. It was, there oh my was, God! There was an episode set inside. There was just like a bit inside the Arkham Asylum where the Joker is sitting watching TV with next to Poison Ivy or something like that. Um, I don't. They had co-ed break rooms or something in Arkham Asylum, and they were allowed to just commingle and hang out. And she gets mad at him or something like that, and he's like, he says something like, "You hold my hand and I'll slug you" or something like that. I just, I just oh my god! So I, I just I heard the lie, her say that I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, the Joker said that in a Batman episode, and we spent so much time talking about the Joker. I was like, yeah, I'll bring that back. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's 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 good. Yeah, you know, I honestly have nothing else to add to it. But this is this is kind of what what I think the, I think the the Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer means to people at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. This this is kind of that thing for Halloween. Oliver, can I have a pumpkin, please? Sure, Mouse. Oh, thanks. <laughs> if you give a mouse a pumpkin, he'll use it to... Uh, Mouse, what are you going to use it for? Wait and see! That's terrific. That's only one part. Oliver, could I have a shoe? Sure, but you're going trick-or-treating as a shoe? Not exactly. What? If you give a mouse a shoelace, then he'll turn himself into... Super Mummy! He's like you, Oliver. He's a superhero and he's scary. What's Super Mummy's superpower? He can drive! For a mummy, that's pretty super. <laughs> and that's what we're going to be! <laughs> All right, I am going with a much more modern episode for my next one. Um, there's a, a, a TV series, an animated series called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, which is based on a series of children's books uh, called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. And then there's other animals if you give a pig a pancake something like that um it's the 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 tv series is this adorable little you know short stories and everything the theme music is produced by lisa loeb um oh really yeah she does the theme um and it's it's just like this really like all of the episodes seem to be about impulse control and like, <laughs> like, like well you know if i see a group of kids you know you know going skating i have to go skating too it's like no you you have a job you need to get to this person before it's too late and do something stop skating and it's like it's, so but anyway there's a halloween special in it called if you give a mouse a pumpkin and the whole thing is like there's there's the, the, the main character is mouse and he's got his best friend a human boy named oliver it's like and all of these animals there's a moose a pig a dog and a cat and they have their human familiars and it's i mean it's 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 a kids show so you don't bat an eye you just accept okay they the, all these kids have these friends who are uh animals and everything and like within that there's also like this characterization like the dog 
is obsessively friends with his boy partner. Like he, he loves his friend um, more than he loves any of the other animals and everything because dogs are man's best friend. Um, So they have to dress up in the same type of costumes and everything. Um, The moose who is the largest creature character is also a scaredy cat. He's terrified of everything. Um, so there's like all the, and, and like the cat is like a, like kind of a tech genius and everything. Um, so there's this whole little special, um, and the, the cat puts on this spooktacular, like, like haunted house thing at, at their house and everything with these row, like an animatronic or electronic ghosts and they break and they get sent all over town. So as the kids are trick or treating, they have to find these ghosts and bring them back. Um, it's sweet. The, the way, the reason this has a, a place in my heart now is because, as Reese was getting old enough to start kind of like follow along with TV shows. Oh my God, you have a kid. I forgot. (laughs) Yeah. Go figure. Um, (laughs) As he was, as he's now kind of old enough to, you know, follow these shows and, and gravitate to characters and and follow along with these things. This was like the first show that he, he, that he latched onto. Like he, he he liked that. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of this, but I started watching it with him. I was like, this is a really adorable kid show. I I love this thing. And, and the Halloween one, like he, that's the thing. He, he recognizes whenever he sees a pumpkin, he's like, woo, he like makes like, Oh, nice. So he gets a kick out of like the, the accoutrement, all of the, the visual accessories of Halloween, like ghosts and skeletons and, and pumpkins. He helped me carve a pumpkin last, last year. Um, so I, I feel like this is kind of, this was his gateway drug the way Garfield was for me. Um, so for that, I had to pick this one. So th- this wow. one a lot to me for that reason. That's really cool. That's actually a really good story because I was going to sit here and just make fun of the show. <laughs> talked about I watched it again. It's, it's not something I'd ever seen before until you told me that you were going to talk about it. So I watched it on Amazon prime the other night and it's, it's it's cute. I have no idea what's going on. I I kind of had, for some reason, I kind of felt like the only reason that you picked this was because the moose and Angie connection. I thought maybe you, <laughs> no. I thought maybe you maybe you watched this to freak her out every like Halloween. Like if if Angie's like she gets post traumatic. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Like if she starts to, for for our listeners out there, Angie and Moose do not get along well. And I'll just leave it at that. But, like, I thought maybe, like, okay, if, if Angie's talking back to you and giving you attitude, you're all of a sudden going to be like, hey, Angie, let's watch Give a Mouse a Pumpkin. <laughs> and, you know, she'll run out of the room kind of thing. So no, the, the moose is afraid of Angie. That's how that's going to <laughs> No, but this was, this was absolutely cute. And aside from the fact that I have no personal connection to the show whatsoever, I do like the fact, like, I miss – this type of stuff, you know, I've, I've mm-hmm. recently, you know, leading up to the show, I still, I still watch things like the fat Albert Halloween special and things like that. And I toyed with the idea of talking about it for this podcast. And then I watched it again and I realized I shouldn't address this for so many reasons. <laughs> you know, there's so many reasons there's it's it, horrible stereotypes against African-Americans. It's Bill Cosby it's like there's a lot of things about it that I just didn't want to address. I didn't want to get into, but I do like the fact I I, I miss having Halloween specials. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I, I thought this was a really good pick, and it's cute. It's cute, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, if I mean, if you got little kids, this would be I I say give us a shot. It's I mean I mean I, I've mentioned it to you before. Like since since having a kid, like my emotional spectrum just completely. 
like rebooted it and like, changed like and like the things that I get attached to and the things that I find cute and adorable and emotional and sad are completely different than the human being that I was four years ago. It's just complete. It's it's really weird. Well, that makes perfect sense, and that leads me into my my pick for my next television special because this is makes me emotionally sad. And makes me, you know, all the things that you just mentioned. I'm going to go, but I'm going way back into the 70s because there was a singular, I think it was a CBS show. I don't remember what network it aired, but it was a hodgepodge of all of the Bugs Bunny cartoons that were like two minute shorts Mm -hmm. and three minute shorts and things they put together. Bugs Bunny did a Halloween special called Halloween. When the moon is full and the banshees wail. And the ghosts are about, and your skin grows pale, as the feeling of fear permeates the air. It's Halloween, so beware, beware. <laughs> this one, I, you know, I kind of described it. There's, there's really not a lot to it. There were the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show or Bugs Bunny. Tweety Bird Show, like whatever, however you remember it, they were usually just like the cartoon shorts were about three minutes long, maybe two minutes long, something like that. And they just put a bunch of them together. They were just little skits and that's all they were. But Bugs Bunny did a number of scary things. They had a witch hazel, they had a giant red furry monster called Gossamer. They had like all kinds of things. So Bugs Bunny put together in, I want to say 77, 78, something like that, a Halloween special. And it added all the elements of the the scary ones, and they just it was, and they just played them out. But there was a cool <laughs> the one that I remember the most was Bugs Bunny spent the night in Dracula's castle, and he was reading a book in his bedroom about spells. And Dracula came, snuck up behind him, and was trying to attack Bugs Bunny. And Bugs Bunny just happened to be reading the spell Abracadabra, which made Dracula turn into a bat. And then the bat was flying around. And then he said something else, like, hocus pocus. And then he turned back into a guy. Anyway, long story short, all these things were funny. They were stupid and silly, and they meant nothing. And they were all like little two-minute excerpts. But I remember this from my childhood, and it means something to me. And I loved, loved the Bugs Bunny Halloween stuff. Yeah, I I don't remember if this was on that tape because I didn't really have a memory of this one. Um, I don't know if it was. Yeah, I don't. I think this one was before my time because I didn't remember seeing this one until you mentioned it, and I looked this one up, and uh, it was fun. I mean, I, I appreciate it for the same reasons, but yeah, yeah. Well, see, and here's the thing: the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show, or like a lot of these bits. The reason I remember this because this was still a part of Saturday morning cartoons. You know, mm-hmm. and like there was there was a period of time where Saturday mornings were, you know, the Hanna-Barbera characters or the Bugs Bunny Looney Tunes characters and stuff. So a lot of this stuff I'd seen before, they were all aired on Saturday mornings. And I just remember a time when that was that was the end all be all of the week. You know, you go to school all week, Friday night. I'm talking about childhood before you played sports, before you did anything else, extracurricular activities. I just remember Saturday mornings you wake up and then you've got this slate of like three hours where you just watch cartoons and a lot of this stuff I'd seen before. But then when they packaged them all together and put them on a primetime episode at night leading up to Halloween, that was awesome. And that's what I remember about it. 
Very cool. Very cool. All right, then my last one. I am going with the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Now, if you doubt this tale is so, I met that spook just a year ago. Now, I didn't stop for a second look, but made for the bridge that spanned the brook. But once you cross that bridge, my friend, the darkness So, when you're riding home tonight, make for the bridge with all your might. You'll be down in the hollow there, beneath your head. Look out, beware! With a hip, hip, and a clippity-clop, he's out looking for a head to swap. So don't try to figure out a plan. You can't reason with a headburn. This one was in 1949. Disney produced it as a oh my god, it's that old. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was packaged as the Adventures of Mister Toad and Ichabod, or maybe maybe the Adventure of Ichabod and Mister Toad. I don't remember which one, Um, but it was like the Mister Toad story from The Wind and the Willows, or something like that. And then uh, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow was the second half with Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. Now, I remember at some point later on, it it was re-released to VHS as The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and it had two Disney shorts in front of it. One of them was a special called Lonesome Ghosts with Mickey Mouse, Goofy, and Donald Duck going as like basically ghost exterminators um, to a haunted house with actual ghosts that are like pranking them the whole time. You can find the short on Disney+. Plus. It's a lot, I love it. Um, and then there was another one called Trick or Treat, which was Donald Duck's nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, yes. and, and the Disney version of Witch Hazel, basically pranking Donald. Um, <laughs> um, and then we had, so we had all, all three of those were packaged, and we must have recorded this VHS onto our mix Halloween tape because we had this. And the last one, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, this was the one that I always came back to. This was the climax. For me, this one was the best one. Yeah. I love this story. Uh, it's narrated by Bing Crosby. And it's the story, it's, it's a, an adaptation of Washington Irving's story. And just the, the color palette of like this, you know, upstate New York, New England type of like fall weather thing. It's dark. It's, it's the brown colors, of like foliage and everything like that. Uh, it's just of this sort of Puritan era and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. you hear the story differently as an adult when you like the way they, they talk about the character. And it's like, this guy, it's like about Crane was kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, I, I tried to read the story one time and I really couldn't get into it, but I was like, just uh, having like, I mean, I kind of, because of the way he kind of prances around, you know, as a kid, you have an, uh, this image of him, but when you actually listen to the, like the lyrics and the way he's narrating, it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't like this guy. I'm not sure I would miss him when he's gone. Um, because then this is another one that takes this abrupt and harsh turn on Halloween night when the Brom Bones character who you think is like this bully and then you know maybe he's not that bad and everything um so he sings this song about the headless horseman which we covered the song last time and then like the last 10 minutes of the special is this nightmarish you know he's walking his horse through this 
creepy wooded area, this wooded path, and like the clouds are in the shape of hands grasping the moon, covering it up, and all of like the you know like the the reeds and everything banging on the trees and everything sound like drums or or hoof prints or something like that, and he's terrified. And then you just get this laugh, this yeah, <laughs> and the and the headless horseman bounding out like he's coming out of hell, and his horse just breathing steam and everything. It's it's this terrifying and thrilling chase adventure that culminates with the main guy dying. <laughs> like the, yeah. he, he throws this fiery pumpkin and it's like, yeah, his body was never recovered. It's like, holy shit, what? <laughs> like I was like a, I was like a little kid when I watched this and it blew my mind, but oh, I've always loved this special. Yeah, I love it too. For all the re- like there's something about like this was this was creepy and haunting and dark for like a 1940s 30s 40s special for like Disney. We, uh, Alexi and I, my girlfriend, recently watched the Halloween, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Sleepy Hollow movie with Johnny Depp and mm-hmm. Tim Burton. And we watched this, and she was asking me about, like, the ending and whatnot. And I kept saying, well, that's not, that's not the way I remember it. You know, and I explained to her the way I remember it based on the Disney version. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, the guy dies at the end. It's not a happy ending. <laughs> and she was like, what do you mean he dies? And I'm like, so she was like, is Brom Bones the headless horseman or what? And I'm like, we don't know. You know, that was, <laughs> that was the cool thing about the story. I was, you know, we, we honestly don't know. That was the creepiest thing about the story. And I remember, like you said, the color palette of the Disney thing. I remember the, the clouds becoming fingers around the moon all the stuff you described i used the visuals for this in a halloween rap video i did a couple years ago called uh, the king of halloween Mm -hmm. i remember using this the 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 sight of the headless horseman who couldn't cross the covered bridge so he throws his flaming pumpkin into ichabod crane and kills him like that! Oh my God! This is just so awesome, and you and I have a really, a really weird nostalgic like kind of a connection to a lot of a lot of the lesser known Disney projects. I want to mm-hmm. say I don't know why, but we have like an attention to like the Robin Hood, Little John Disney oh, yeah. things. We didn't quite grab onto the like grasp the the huge major hits. We we kind of segued into the lesser known ones and this was one of those things i remember you loved it i loved it we both loved this disney version of this and it was creepy and it was dark and it was scary and that's what i loved about halloween yeah this is available on disney plus too but it's under the original thing the adventures of ichabod and and mr toad or something so you have to you have to go through like the first 45 minutes (laughs) <laughs> okay all right good note okay i got one more to add tonight i'm gonna i'm gonna bring us home with one thing now here's i, I want to preface this by you and i had talked about doing a simpsons halloween special and one of them was going to make the list but the thing is what it came down to is we couldn't decide whether it was going to be the simpsons tree house of horror full episodes or individual snippets of those. And I really couldn't decide on one. So I thought we probably should leave that for another day. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was add the last really great Halloween episode or a Halloween special, I should say that I remember that was a standalone Halloween thing that really made me like that brought joy and fear and horror and all the stuff to my life. I'm going to go with, 
South Park's first annual Halloween episode from the first season of South Park, the pink eye episode from Halloween. <laughs> you look like a pansy. Shut up, Kyle. What, what are you supposed to be? I'm Raggedy Andy. <laughs> Why the hell did you dress up like Raggedy Andy, dude? Wendy's going as Raggedy Ann, and she said this way we'd win the costume contest for sure. No way, dude. I'm going to win the costume contest with this sweet Chewbacca costume. Wendy said that first prize is two tons of candy. Wow, cool. Hey, dude. Carmen, what kind of costume is that? It's Adolf Hitler costume. Yig hi, yig hi. Where'd you get that? My mom made it. Isn't it cool? No, it's not cool. What are you supposed to be, Stan? Howdy doody? No, I'm Raggedy Andy, fat ass. Oh, wow, you look pretty cool. <laughs> I'll kick your ass, Kyle. Oh, look out. Holly Hobby's all pissed off. Honestly, this was, I, I have nothing to add to this other than the fact that this was hysterical. It was funny. I loved the concept of it. And for a cartoon that was in prime time, this was, I mean, South Park was brand new. Mm-hmm. Not everybody grabbed onto this. It was weird. It was disturbing. Like you, like there were animated kids saying things that you couldn't believe they were saying. Mm-hmm. And I loved the fact that this was a Halloween episode. <laughs> I just, I mean, I really have nothing else to add to it. The first season of South Park aired, and it was six episodes. And I remember just being blown away. Because, was, was it so, like 98? I think it was 98. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was blown away because of the, the audacity. I was like, I've never heard anything like this. I've never seen something that looks so cheap and so crude, but is getting away with this kind of stuff. I was like, it was on Comedy Central, but I was like, this is almost like liquid television level. Yeah, weird. right, right. Um, and but it was just it was insane it was crazy and but then so they aired those six episodes and then there was nothing and then they re-aired the same six the next six weeks and <laughs> they didn't i i felt immediately they didn't age that well on the rewatch like watching them again kind of back to back after i was like mm, i don't know i was like this might have been lightning in a bottle and i don't i don't think they've really got anything here this might just be uh, you know, getting away on shock value and vulgarity, and, and maybe mm-hmm. this is just this is all they've got. And then after that, the second six weeks, they bust out the Halloween special, and I was like, all right, well, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and boom, because then it was like uh, like a month later it was the Thanksgiving one, and then a month later it was the first Christmas one with Mister Hanky. Oh but but yeah, this this Halloween one where you know the the gimmick was that Kenny died in every episode. And this one begins with Kenny dying, and then he yeah, comes back as yeah. a zombie, and he's a zombie the whole time, and he he keeps biting people. Everybody's just like they think he's got pink eye, and watch out, that pink eye is spreading. It's like another bunch of, and and Cartman is dressed as Hitler for the first oh half of it, and, and everybody, all of the adults. They, they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? You got to get, so the principal takes him into the office and she's like, and she shows him a video of a Hitler to try and like scare him straight. And he thinks it's awesome. Like how he, Hitler got all these people to listen to what he was saying because of the way he spoke. And, and, and they're like, no, 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 you're getting the wrong. So they, the, the principal's like, okay, you're going to be a ghost instead of Hitler. You're going to be a ghost. I'll make you a ghost costume. And she puts the white sheet on him and he looks like a clan member yep. now. And it's like, oh my God. And I just remember like the zombie Kenny wins the Halloween costume because they think he's dressed as Edward yep. James almost. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It was just, yeah. It was, this, there were so many things. I, I remember I was late to the party on the South Park craze there was a chick i was dating named laura fairchild that i we wrote songs with and she was a musician Mm -hmm. and i remember she turned me on to the south park thing 
and we were like laying in bed one night and watching some of the stuff. And I remember this, this episode and I'm like, Oh my God, this is on TV. And she was like, Oh, this is, they're all like this. And, <laughs> the only reason I want to add this is because I felt like this was at, this was that moment where you kind of saw like the future. Like yeah. this was so funny and so cutting edge and so avant-garde at the time that it aired that I knew South Park was going to be big. It was going to be huge. And watching it with this chick and just like, going, oh, my God, this is terrible. And I'm laughing out loud. There's got to be a thousand other people, a million other people watching this right now being like, I'm laughing and I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> but yeah, this was this was dangerous TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for our second annual Daily Family Halloween special. For anyone wondering how my encounter with the Weaver ended up, you'll have to check out my book, Omnibus Prime, The Incredibly Strange but Somewhat True Adventures of Neil Daly, available on Amazon and iTunes. But I can tell you this, I managed to stave off his attack for a short period of time by using wine bottle corks and shoving them into his giant buck teeth. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Fire and Water Records is a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com, as well as Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For information on how you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. If you like the show but don't wish to support us through Patreon, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you download podcasts and leave a nice five-star review for Fire & Water Records. Every review helps push this podcast out to a wider and wider audience. All music, clips, and quoted lyrics are used for entertainment purposes and no copyright infringement is intended. As always, thanks for listening and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween! I don't know who you think you are, but before tonight is through, I want to do bad things with you. I want to do real bad things with you. Look at all this great stuff, Odie. With these costumes, we can be... Anything we want. What should I be? There's so many sides to me. I could be handsome or brave, a king or a slave. It's all up to me. So what should I be? What could I be? What should I be? I could be a scary vampire and turn myself into a bat. Or I could put on some black pajamas and go as a big fat Halloween cat. What should I be? There's so many sides to me. I could be an astronaut, a robot, a hobo, a clown, or an alien creature going out on the town. What should I be? It's all up to me. What should I be? Let's go.